Nation, Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our tech magician, producer, slash producer, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular posts and you can find out about where and where you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. Trish's latest novel is Skin Shifters. And Rob's latest novel is Tulpas. Um, our guest today is Alex, and if I mispronounce your name, Alex, I'm sorry, Sakaris, best known as the moderator of Skeptico Podcast for more than a decade. Over that time, Skeptico has become the number one podcast on the science of human consciousness. With millions of downloads and tens of thousands of worldwide listeners, Skeptico's provocative interviews explore the tipping points of science and spirituality. Many of the world's leading researchers and thinkers on consciousness and spirituality have participated in those interviews. Among the topics discussed on the shows are the science of near-death experiences, parapsychology, consciousness research versus conventional science's take on who we are, spirituality, the strangeness of UFOs and close encounters, skepticism, and what we should make of the skeptics. Alex is the author of Why Science is Wrong about almost everything, and his new book, soon to be released, is called Why Evil Matters. And we'll be looking at that question today, plus more. Yay, Alex, you made it. Welcome, Alex. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Like I was just saying, it's super exciting to be with you guys in your podcasters now. And it's right. so cool what you're doing. It's you. so exciting. It <laughs> yeah. really um, are those great shows. I was kind of telling you, I was on the beach and I was listening and I was like, I really, really, I'm an, I'm a regular fan now. So oh, okay, it. good. All right. okay. So, Alex, what prompted you to tackle the topic of evil, specifically why evil matters and why does it? Well, the second part of that's really hard, and I don't know if I have an answer for the why evil matters, other than, you know, maybe, maybe I do have an answer, and that's the subtitle of the book is How Science and Religion Fumbled the Big One. And I think that especially, you know, now, and uh, again, it's so relevant to so much of the work that you guys have done, you know, and you guys tiptoe and approach all these topics that a lot of people associate with evil, right? Mm -hmm. So you're yeah. talking about poltergeists or you're talking about, <laughs> you know, abduction, uh, ET and all that stuff. And people are going evil, evil, evil. <laughs> I, I think you guys can appreciate that you guys kind of pull up short on that. And you go, well, wait a minute. I mean, I get where you're coming from, but what do you really mean by that? And yeah. I guess my point is when you take that step back, it's kind of stunning to see that, you know, the two forces we have in our culture, science, I mean, they're, they're just completely lost. They're just yeah, they denial. Are. They're, yeah. 
they're just it, there can be no evil because there can be no consciousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, as absurd as that sounds, you know. And I always, I always wind up spending a half hour on this because people don't really want to believe it because that we all have such confidence in science. But the mainline, mainstream position on consciousness, on the on what's going on inside of you, you know, is that it is an illusion, that it isn't real, that you aren't really in there. And that is absurd. So we have science on one side and on the other side, we have religion, you know, like, oh yeah, I'll I'll (laughs) tell you what evil is. Let me pull out my book here. Right. Let me read to you from the Bible. (laughs) Um, What you relate to that? I mean, a little bit in terms of, you know, how there isn't that space. Right. Yeah, yeah. no, that's I mean, true. You, you use the term a lot, biological robots in a meaningless universe, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, scientific uh, assessment of where we're at. But, but uh, you know, that, that's what's so curious, though, when you think about it, that science says you're not really in there. Okay, the more am I, you know? You know, yeah. I mean, to, to really, and like, I, I, I do use that term a lot, Rob, and I probably overuse it way too much. <laughs> but it just because I just want to hammer on that because it is the absurdity of it. It yeah. is that, like, from a philosophical standpoint, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not, if you don't believe you're conscious, well, then what, what, what? Are, then what's the point? <laughs> what's the, where are you? What, yeah. What's what, what's the point? You know, way yeah. back in, you know, I don't know, 70 years ago, the existentialist philosophers were, you know, kind of first came along in Nietzsche and Albert Camus is my mm-hmm. favorite for his thing saying, well, you know, too. <laughs> yeah, but the only philosophical question is suicide. So the question is, Great. <laughs> if, if you believe that there is nothing that it's all an illusion, that it's just your brain just cranking away, then your existence is absurd. There's mm-hmm. no reason to. You cannot invent a reason from that philosophical position to perpetuate life. What? Oh, because I'm going to have kids. No, there is no <laughs> offspring. That doesn't work either. You know, So it fails philosophically but it fails miserably scientifically. Like all the experiments we've ever done ever since the double slit experiment, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't realize was an experiment about consciousness. Right. Yeah. Like they've reframed it like, oh, it's about the beam and whether the photon. No. No, it it's about consciousness. <laughs> it's, about, it's about, is there consciousness? That's mm-hmm. that experiment. The, the experiment should be the, is there consciousness experiment? Because that's yeah. all it was about. And the answer was, yeah, looks like there is. It looks like the observer effect, i.e. Mm-hmm. consciousness, is real. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is kind of the... the yeah, I didn't fa- realize that about the, him. Uh, the face <clears throat> of science. Uh, he ma- makes a comment uh, that maybe consciousness doesn't exist at all. That's, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's quite an astonishing uh, statement to make that we don't have any consciousness, but really, isn't that just an extension of the disbelief in a higher consciousness, God, all that is, or whatever you want to call it? Um, like, see, like that's a really kind of provocative question, too, <laughs> it, it, because it kind of pulls us into a little bit of the conspiratorial kind of thing. So, like, like you're saying, was that just reactionary to? 
the wacky religious beliefs that got crammed down our throat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is it just reactionary with science as well? Which sure as hell ain't just your little Jesus book there. So we're going to say it's nothing. Well, maybe, maybe it is reactionary. But the other way of looking at it is that if you wanted to control people, would you want them believing and getting in touch with their infinite possibilities and what they might be? Or would you want them to believe that they're nothing, that their existence is meaningless and that just get on with it? You know, just buy something and then just go right, home. Right. You know, well, usually that's the what we lay on uh, religious people, uh, you know, wanting actually to control people like that. You know, you don't, you don't tell them there's such thing as reincarnation because if they know they're coming back, they're not going to do what you want them to do. <laughs> but you're 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 flipping it over to science now with the, the same control aspect from a different perspective. Interesting. Well, you know, I'm kind of an equal opportunity basher. <laughs> Because I, I think you're right, and and that's kind of my second point. I is that religion is is let's take Christianity, let's take Judaism, let's take mm -hmm. Islam. They're irrational. They're not only irrational, but they don't stand up historically. You know, I got some interviews in there with biblical scholars. You know, people have gone back and looked through it, and I started with the Satan thing because it's easier. Mm -hmm. You know, the historical Satan. No, it slips through your fingers. It's just something that's kind of thrown in the middle of a story. You know, hundreds of years, they have the same story. And then 150 years later, they're kind of borrowing from somebody else's thing. Hey, rewrite that thing there. Only put, make that guy the bad guy now. And then everyone has to. He's a character. He's a character. a character. You know. You guys, you guys are, no, that's your thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Do you think, uh, okay, a major theme in your book, in spite of its title, is, is really about what we're talking about, about consciousness and how mainstream scientists call it the tough question. But what what do you, what about these scientists like Dean Radin and, uh, you know, Rupert Sheldrake? Some of these people, I mean, they, they don't regard science as, I mean, consciousness as nothing. You know, it's so funny that you picked out those two guys who I just super admire. I do too. And you, yeah. And, um, now have you interviewed those guys or no, no we haven't. <clears throat> I traded some emails with Sheldrake at one point after we wrote our book on precognition. Um, but no, we haven't had him on the show. I'd love to you have know, him on the show. Raiden would be a perfect fit oh. for the stuff that you guys have done because, uh, you know, his, he has the, the the definitive experiment on precognition, and 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 what he calls it, the term they use in the parapsychology is presentiment. Right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, you know, you don't even yeah, you know that probably from the right. book, mm -hmm. right? It's not even a thought. It's just your body is like, I know something's up. You know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but the funny thing is. He, up until recently, kind of leaned more towards the atheistic kind of thing. And so some of these guys pack yeah. this stuff in, in a strange way. They kind of pack it back into this materialism trope that has uh -huh. just been so yeah. conditioned in their education. And the funny thing about Sheldrick, on the other hand, is Sheldrick is, stuff. A, is he's a Christian. 
Oh, oh I didn't know that. That's interesting. But a, but a very, you know, spent a lot of time in India, has had a lot of, you know, influenced by a lot of the yogic kind of mm-hmm. culture. But at the end of the day, he's like, hey, you know, Sunday um, I go to church. and I mean, I pushed him on, you know, again, the historical Jesus thing. I mean, go look for the historical Jesus. I mean, go, you know, to really try and pin that down. Very, very difficult to do. And then I don't know that he really, I don't know how, I don't know how, if you're a Christian, how that isn't at the forefront of your thing, right? Hmm. Like, I think, here's my, from near-death experience, I accept the Christ consciousness experience. Somebody says they had an NDE and they experienced Jesus. I'm like, right on. I, I, I totally accept that that's your experience. And I'm not even going to say that there isn't some spirit entity in that realm. Right. But if you want to, that doesn't necessarily mean, title of Rob's latest book, Tola, <laughs> you know, that that you aren't co-creators of exactly. that in some way that you don't understand. And I don't mm-hmm. think that diminishes, you know, Christ consciousness. I just don't think because you saw that or experienced that, that that has a historical validation. You, you know, what do you guys think of all that, especially with the Tulpa stuff? Yeah, well, it could be, you know, when you, people who are seeing... Jesus in these uh, dreams or uh, whatever experience they're having. It, you know, it, At least I'm at near-death experience. Near-death yeah. experience, right? It, uh, you know, it could be you're relating to your higher self, and uh, higher self could be interpreted as Jesus. That's you know your personal interpretation. But it could also be the result of belief. You know, for somebody who's a strong Christian and believes in Christ. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I might think of it as your higher self. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm, but uh, I'm well aware that there's other entities out there besides our, our higher selves too. <laughs> so the last guy I interviewed, who had this extraordinary near-death experience, his name is David Ditchfield. He's an English guy, super interesting guy. He goes to kiss his girlfriend goodbye on the train, and the doors close in on his jacket. Oh my God. And the train pulls oh, him. Oh, jeez! I mean, is this like your worst fear? <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah. Is that how he how he had the NDE? He he, he should he should have died. I mean, it was geez. just a horrific thing. Yeah, you mentioned that in your book, don't you? Mm-hmm. I think I read something about that. I so I don't remember. No, if, no, I, I don't so remember if David is in. Yeah, that was a recent one, right? Yeah, it was on Skeptico. I don't think it made it in the in the book. Yeah, I I, I, I just saw it. Today on Skeptical, yeah, when I went there, that was. But here's here's the thing that that Rob, to your kind of point, you know, it's like so. David's story, you know, is he has this incredible near death experience. He sees Jesus, and uh, oh, he's you know, you recently guys did that amazing show with uh, Kathy, and it was about the spiritualist down in Florida, and I thought that was. Because it's kind of that spiritualist thing is kind of interesting. Now the spiritualist thing, as you know, is different in the UK. It's kind of more. I know it's a little less cultish, a little less uh-huh. freaky. Mm-hmm. So he's in a spiritualist church and he's being led through this thing. And he has this experience. He sees Jesus, you know, turns and has this incredible thing. He comes out and the medium says, you saw Jesus. 
you had an experience with the Lord. So, you know, what's going on there, right? I mean, yeah, it's your higher. I mean, you can interpret it any way you want, but, you know, then there's also the shared near-death experience. You guys familiar with that? I don't think so. Is that when two people die together? <laughs> no. And see the same when, thing? It's when, and Raymond Moody, you know, who is really kind oh, of the right. okay. author of this. So it's like a lot of people are gathering in the hospice room, you know, and the person's about to pass. And yeah. everybody in the room together has the experience. Ah, okay. Wow. Yeah. So the like living and the dead, you know. So I'm, maybe it's your higher self talking to you, but there is a possibility that there are spirit entities that have this form that we don't totally understand. Well, you know, here's a weird <clears throat> thing. Some years ago, my mother was in an Alzheimer's unit. And whenever we'd come to visit her, she said, oh, my brother was here, my sisters, well, they, had all, they were already dead. And we'd, you know, just say, oh, okay, how's everybody doing? But one time I took a psychic friend with me and to, to visit my mom. And my mother was going on about how her brother uh, had just visited her. And my friend Millie says, is your brother's name Dick? And my mother says, yeah. She says, how did you know? And Millie says, because he's sitting at the foot of your bed. <laughs> and she actually saw him. I mean, she does see things. And uh -huh. from that from that point on, I, 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 my, my outlook on Alzheimer's changed. <laughs> yeah. You know, it be, yeah, it became like a thing where, okay, if your consciousness isn't centered here, as it isn't with most people who have Alzheimer's, then it has to be centered somewhere else. And my mother was scared to death of dying. So I think that this was her way mm -hmm. of getting to know the afterlife or whatever it is before dying. Mm, mm, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's. So uh, let's get back to the uh, question of evil. Isn't evil a subjective term? What's evil to one person might not be to another. Similar to how somebody is terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that's why I really focused on the first question is like, mm -hmm. why does this matter? And to me, the reason it matters is that evil, I think, can be a lens, a lens to kind of understanding just how far we have to go to begin to scratch the surface of this spirituality question. And I mean... It's funny talking to you guys because you guys are immersed yourself in this. And <laughs> that's drowning. what I really was saying. You know, you, I just put the label on it of evil. I'm not really interested in evil per se. I'm just interested in the same things that you guys are when you talk about that in-between zone right. in terms of this reality and some other reality and how does that fit. And I'm just kind of pointing out that this evil thing might be a new way for us to kind of check ourselves a little bit and say, okay, you know, let's get real about what we really think is going on. And are we incorporating that into the picture as well? So that's why I think evil, you know, evil matters. Yeah. It seems that most people who we might consider evil probably don't think of themselves as evil themselves. Uh, but then there are some people, aren't they, who actually embrace evil? Yeah. You know what really changed this whole thing for me 
I was about halfway into this, um, halfway into this book and you guys support like a really great community. I know people are always sending you stuff and sending you stories. And I, I love the one that you just read that last one. Although see that we got to talk, yeah, we're yeah. going to talk so, about so many of your shows here. <laughs> I got so many questions for you guys. Yeah. But, yeah, that you know, did. what did you swinging, think of that? <laughs> swinging, you know, the the sound. I, I was, be careful with those knives. That's all. I, <laughs> <laughs> kitchen accidents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but really, aren't we all talking about the same thing? Which is, what's the nature of reality? You know. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, and so we're trying to nudge a little bit, but so we're all talking about the same thing: the nature of reality. But the problem with that is that huh. then that, okay, so where do you go? Do you take, the knife, out? Do you take the knife out or do you not take the knife out? And I like, oh, she says, you know, this one was really sharp. So I took that. I mean, I don't know how you process that. But here, let me tell you this little story. So I'm about halfway into this book and I get an email from a skeptical listener. And this guy is a clinical psychologist from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And his name is uh, Dr. Tom Zinser. And he says, Alex, you're a nice guy, but you don't know crap about evil <laughs> and darkness. And he proceeds, you know, he didn't really say that because he's a super <laughs> nice guy. And he did a great interview for me. But he proceeds to tell me that he has worked with inside of a clinical psychology thing, like patients coming to him saying, oh, you know, doc, I don't feel, you know, whatever. He's worked with evil. And he's worked with darkness and he thinks hmm. there's a difference. And he thinks darkness is like gravity. You know what I mean? It's, it's just darkness. Huh. Evil is our willingness or our ability to be influenced by darkness. And then his definition, which I think is a good one, is that, you know, you can do a lot of things. You can do a lot of different things. <laughs> when you inhibit the growth, the soul development of another person intentionally. That's his definition of oh, evil. That's interesting. And he's not yeah. just getting that from himself. He's right. getting that from his spirit guide saying, look, this is what it's about. When mm -hmm. you are trying to intentionally inhibit a soul's development, that's what's evil. Oh. So if oh, that's, that's, yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. Isn't isn't he the guy who has a secretary who is a medium and was bringing uh, the spirit guide through? He has. So he's the, the, his story is. That's like one of your guys' <laughs> stories. He, he's a clinical psychologist in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You know, he's gone through. He got his PhD from Texas A&M, and he's working in the psych hospital, and then he's working in private practice, and he's getting frustrated. And a lot of uh, clinical therapists will tell you this. I mean, they're classic for, you know, hitting the wall and just leaving the whole thing because they're just, they mm. can't make any progress with people. So that's kind of where he's at. And he's really hit a wall. And meanwhile, his own path is he's like going to the Monroe Institute and working oh, that's on body travel and stuff like yeah. that. Meanwhile, mm. a part-time secretary in the office kind of overhear, overhears these stories that he's having about at lunch, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm going to try the meditation Monroe. And she goes, hey, I feel like I can approach you on this, although it's going to sound crazy. She <laughs> goes, I've been channeling this spirit and this spirit's name is Jared. And I think Jared needs to talk to you. So 
he, because he is this unique combination of one, he's a clinical professionally trained therapist, but he's also, I'm not getting here with my patients. I need to expand. Mm -hmm. He realizes he's going off reservation, that he's not going to be doing work that is going to be embraced by his <laughs> colleagues. But at the same time, he says, I'm going to follow the protocols that I've been taught. You know, my professional protocols, uh -huh. I'm going to follow all those, but I'm going to see if this connection with this spirit world can work. So what he, what that means practically is he's very meticulous about getting these channeled readings and immediately mm. the spirit comes through and starts going, okay, Next Tuesday, you're meeting with David. David has this spirit entity who has infiltrated his space. The spirit entity is actually his mother. His mother won't let go, dot, 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 dot. Here's Jeez. how you might go. So, listen, it's freaky. So then what he would do, what Tom would do, would just, one, his therapeutic mode was um, hypnosis. And actually, mm -hmm. deep, deep hypnosis, the kind of, forget the name of it, where you're so deep, all you can do is like twitch a finger, you know, for uh -huh. yes, no. Mm -hmm. So he put these people into deep, and then he'd start asking them, you know, yes, no. And uh -huh. he'd, he'd incorporate into that, again, in a careful way, trying to be as careful as he could without leading people. He knows, you know, you that you can mess those things up, but he's trying to be careful. And boom, he starts being very, very successful with mm. helping people overcome this, these traumatic things. And, you know, after I posted the interview with him, I actually had a couple of people come forward and say, this guy saved my life. And even Lester. Oh, oh. He sounds very Jungian. I mean, it, because well, this is something, it's like Jung. It, 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 yes. I mean, I think, I think Jung, if you carefully read, and I just did mm -hmm. it if you carefully read Jung, he's talking about angels and demons all the time. Yeah, right? no, he it, he's trying to use careful language, but I mean, <laughs> that's the and the reincarnation as well. Yeah, spirit yeah. contact. I mean. Yeah. So again, I'm, uh, we, we don't, you know, both you guys and, and me, you know, I don't have to come down like firmly on any of this stuff, but just to say, we need to broaden our perspective mm -hmm. in terms of how we start looking at this stuff. And start asking some of these questions in a way that could potentially nudge us towards, you know, I don't know, you know, something broader. How does yes. our, how does our religious upbringing affect us? And what about yours? Well, my upbringing was Greek Orthodox, and hmm. uh, which is a lot like Catholic, mm -hmm. only it's you know, the Orthodox kind of thing. But I see all that is just such a uh, I. The cultish elements to religion as we know it are, is another one of those things that's really kind of undeniable. And we dance around it because we're taught to, you know, don't, don't tell anyone their religious beliefs or, you know, da, 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 da. but if you really just take a big step back and you go, okay. You know, well, look at Catholicism. Look I at mean, Catholicism. Look at Kathy. It's, it's like when you interviewed Kathy, you know, the super... Nice sounds like it anyway. Yeah, she is. You know, she's, it, she's a medium and she's Catholic. And I want to go, okay, Kathy, explain to me how the Bible is pro-Roman. Okay. Explain to me how that isn't uh, a control mechanism of the Romans who were battling like hell, trying to kick ass on those people in Judea and, you know, built a big arc of triumph once they 
destroyed. How it, it, process the history that we know and tell mm-hmm. me how you get a church out of that that, you know, in modern days is known to be doing all these horrible institutional sex crimes against you. Tell right. me how you-, <laughs> you, you need to have her on your show <laughs> and ask her these questions. Well, Susan, you should have Susan, Susan on, your, on show. your show, too. <laughs> Susan, the veterinarian with the weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because, you know, like, I, I love, Trish, what you said, broaden it. Because right. to me, that's what it is. It's like, I want to go to Kathy and say, first off, Kathy, I totally get that you're probably having genuine spiritual experiences that include a lot of the Catholic figures, you know, with Mother Mary or Jesus, yeah. I do not deny that it, I have that broader view that that's totally can be real. Uh, at the same time, I'm going to hold hold you to, you know, really kind of a historical here and now kind of thing to make this other stuff fit too. And if you can't, then we're going to have to broaden it a little bit and say, okay, mm-hmm. maybe it maybe it goes some way different than we think. I mean, Kathy was brought up Catholic, but I don't think she still is. Yeah. I mean, I was brought up Catholic too, and I'm definitely not Catholic. Yeah. What, what were you brought up, Rob? Catholic. Catholic, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> we both suffered through catechism. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have to have the we didn't have the Bible. We had catechism. Yeah, <laughs> which is the bigger brainwashing. <laughs> yeah. Which was control. always kind of a, tr- a tricky thing. It's like you don't need you don't need to read the Bible. <laughs> we'll tell you. We'll yeah, tell you what it says. Yeah, good parts. Yeah. So, well, I, I remember sitting in a catechism class when I was 12 and thinking to myself, this is all bullshit. Yeah. You know, I don't believe any of this. So what am I doing here? You know, it took me a little longer to figure it out. I guess I was. Uh, you were yeah. a good son. Yeah. I was a bad daughter. <laughs> Consider the possibility once of becoming a priest. But, uh, you know, my father said, don't ever become a priest or a cop. Those are two <laughs> jobs you don't want to get into. Interesting. So, uh, <laughs> so it seems in Christianity you can't really have God without the devil and evil, right? Good evil. Uh, that's the way they've they've drawn it up. Yeah. yeah. Which so. makes you know, like uh, like one thing I touch on kind of in the book, kind of a, a lot, is the satanic ritual abuse thing. Right. Because again, it's one of those things that I just want to kind of pound that in the ground over there and say, okay, so there's a reality that right deal with it. You know, here's someone who was a victim of it. Here's the people who were arrested around it. Here Mm -hmm. are the kids in the cage. Here are the rituals. Here's the blood, you know, sacrifice of the animal. Deal with it and then ask yourself why you've been conditioned to think that it's all satanic panic. And then take your, your, take the most classic, if you will, cases of satanic panic, like McMartin preschool. And go look that the first, the way that whole thing got started is a three and a half year old boy came home from McMartin school and went to his mom and said, Mom, Mom, and she was, he was bleeding out of his butt. And he's three and a half years old. God. And she takes him to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician says, Sex abuse, we're going to UCLA Med. And UCLA emergency room says, This kid's being sexually abused. And then they call the police and they say, We got to go find out what's going at McMartin. And they go interview all the other parents Jeez. and they start finding a pattern there. Now, you go and look for, go Google McMartin, and all you'll see is satanic panic. Huh. The first page, the second page, the third page. You will never hear that this is, you know, in the, I'm writing, I'm telling you that 
from a book that was written by a Brown University professor who wrote a book called The Witch Hunt Narrative. And he, he, he's not a slouch. He's Brown University. And he's got yeah. the, the testimony. Then he names the names. You know, here's the doctor at UCLA. Because they all came up in the court testimony. So why do we have this wink and a nod kind of satanic culture on one hand that wants to deny it on one hand, and we have science that wants to deny it, and then we have religion that wants to say, oh, no, it's just this narrow little thing over here, which is... <laughs> we are broader. Need to get a little broader. Yeah, broader. A lot broader. <laughs> hey, if, real quick, before the traffic starts up, if I can geek out for a second about that. Sure. Um, so uh, the latest series of Star Wars movies, uh, I really was not a fan of The Last Jedi, but... I love the trailer when Luke Skywalker looks into the camera and says, the Jedi have to, it's time for the Jedi to end. Because if the mm. Jedi end, then you have no Sith. Get rid of the Jedi, you get rid of the Sith. It's not that, it's that constant battle. It's that constant battle. You can't have one without the other, mm -hmm. I think. Right. Anyways. Yeah. yeah, okay, but, that's but, good, John. Yeah. That, that's good, but where do, where do you go with that? I mean, what is your <laughs> conclusion with that is like, because like a lot of people would say, back to Rob's, you know, kind of, I, I, I like Rob's kind of higher self thing. And where a lot of people would go psychologically is that the externalization of that good and bad is real enough. But the Jungian kind of inner uh -huh. battle that we all experience between good and, and evil, you know, it, don't you feel like that's kind of the other part of this is that we all feel that we're both good and evil, no matter how much we try and be good. That's a good oh, point. No, it's true. It's a constant struggle, but, but, but you have to, the constructs are what keeps it, it keeps us at each other's throats. So we can't evolve beyond that. I think yeah. maybe. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, said yeah. we have to shed light on the darkness within us. It's... Yes, it does. I mean, that's a, I hate to take, I, I, I just hate to form firm conclusions about that, but I agree with you. I mean, I do think that's what it's, I do think that's what it's about. I think it's about the personal transformation of light over dark. And I think it's about the collective transformation of light over dark. And the other thing I think, and this is kind of a little bit opinionated, but you've pulled me into the deep waters. <laughs> I think we misunderstand the force of the dark. And I think like all the indie ears and all the great spiritual wisdom people will tell you that it's really just about the light. And the darkness is a manifestation that is there to kind of be that other force and to be that, but you can always choose the light. You know, and that's one of the things I got from Tom Zinzer that I thought was one of the gifts that he gave in, in his work mm -hmm. is that if you feel like you've made some deal with the dark or that, you know, you're obligated, bullshit. Yeah, you always have choice. That's right. Th those contracts are non-binding. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> they are non-binding. All you have to do is look towards the light choose to ascend towards light. It's always 
an option. It, it mm-hmm. So, yes, evil, darkness, yes, all that stuff is true. But I think inherently we're all good and we all have that light within us in that that's what we're really try manifesting all the time and figuring out you know how to get to it right. so that's my that's my sermon that's, that's the sermon. really well that was pretty good Alex. <laughs> there's a lot of people who believe now that uh belief in the that the end justifies the means and you look at that politically and what that infers but uh <laughs> And, but when you interviewed Christopher Knowles, he said the end, the concept of the that the end justifies the means is the gateway to evil. I like that. Uh, line. Ooh. You know the other thing that Chris said that I thought was really, really good because it brings it down to terms that everyone can understand. So there's a real fascination nowadays with uh, the occult. I mean, there always has been off and on, but like magic. Aleister Crowley. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. All that stuff mm-hmm. super popular now. And I like his thing. He said, if you think there's some interdimensional being that has the ability to control and command the world and your life in that way, what do you have to offer them? Yeah. So you're going to make some deal. What do you have to offer as your part of the bargain? So you're buying into this idea that you can sharpen some sword and draw it in a pentagram in a perfect way, and then they will be compelled to do the. Yeah, let's just take a step back. Does that really make a lot of sense? You know, so I don't know. I thought that was a good point. That's interesting. Yeah. What do you have to offer? What you have to offer is something you don't want to give, which is something more like, I don't know, if soul is the right term because it carries a lot of baggage with it. But if we look at the experiences of so many people who've dabbled in that, over and over again, we learn that what they are asked to give is a very, very (laughs) heavy price. Again, it comes down to choice, doesn't it? I think it does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, choice and belief. I mean, if you believe that drawing a pentagram in the sand is, you know, going to have some type of effect on somebody else. Suppose that somebody else doesn't believe in pentagrams. Or suppose, worse yet, suppose they're like, if you're stupid enough to think that, (laughs) you know, that I'm going to screw with you and that you're thinking that you're in in control of me because you drew some pentagram and I let you get that hot chick that you've been, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's... I mean, Alistair if you look Crowley, at that I mean he was a he was a true weirdo. <laughs> really strange man. Yeah. Well But I don't believe that he had, you know, any kind of occult power to control other people. I think that there I mean, take somebody like Jim Jones. What what was his what was he offering his group? I mean, other before the Kool-Aid. Well, go go back to the first part of that. So the Crowley thing. So Crowley believed that, you know, he was accessing the these other realms. So mm-hmm. I, I, I guess, you know, and again, this would tie back into all the work that you've done, you know, I- including Susan, you know. So like mm-hmm. Susan's sitting there and, I mean, my read of Susan is, 
Well, I don't know. I, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> yet. What is your the, the more interesting? What is what is your my, my your feeling? Take? My well, feeling is it's it's her experience. If this is what she's experiencing, that's fine. But I don't want any part of it. Yeah. I don't want because first of all, I'm not so sure I believe in demons. I believe, you know, in good and bad things. But demons. Here's, here's a funny story. We, we we've met uh, Susan and Greg like I think number of times. Number of times. And even took a little trip with him one time in the in the Keys and talked about all this stuff. But w- one time uh, last year, and all this stuff was going on, uh, they they wanted to go on. I think it was actually they were going to a UFO convention in Arizona was the plan, and they asked our daughter to go take care of their four dogs. And you know she's going to pay quite a bit of money. And uh, our daughter agreed, but she said, I'm really scared to go to that place. (laughs) (laughs) All those stories you're talking about. (laughs) But as it turned out, something happened and they had to cancel. And, you know, just to show you what a nice person she is, she paid my daughter in full. You know, and she she never had to go there and face the evil. (laughs) Face whatever. (laughs) Do you guys feel like you've ever been in a situation where you've, encountered something that is in that in that other realm well in casa dego one time that spiritualist community we talked about our daughter was young we were alone in the hotel because it was a daytona week and everybody bike week week, everybody was in daytona and we went to bed around 11 o'clock that night and all of a sudden we heard this incredible bang 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 like boots coming up the stairs and the hotel was empty Okay, <laughs> and it came up to the door, whatever it was, and rattled the door up. At this point, I'm looking for a window to get out with my daughter because she's still asleep. We, we actually pushed the dresser in front of the door. I'm I mean, scared. It, it was, it was just a feeling of true evil on the other side of that door, and right. I, I just did not want to open that door to see what was on the other side or let what what. It, was invite whatever was out there into that room. I mean, and, you know, we're not, we have spirit contact experiences and, you know, the, uh, the you know, the higher level. We're not, we're thing. not freaked we're, out. Yeah, we're not <laughs> afraid of spirits, but we were afraid of whatever that was. <laughs> and yep. then it just went down the hall yeah. and the sounds disappeared. Yeah, it was, it was but not, that was terrifying. It, it was, I, I don't think it was human, whatever it was. So, I mean, so there you go then. So why do you draw the line on demons? I mean, what is a demon, in your opinion? Why do you think there are? Well, I always, because of my Catholic background, I associate demons with whatever the Catholic Church said they were. But uh-huh. I don't think that I don't think it's that simple. You know. Uh-huh. Right. 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 Like you said, we have to broaden all these terms. Yeah, I mean, the, what Susan is facing is just this onslaught, day after day. Night after night, she can't sleep. She has to stay up and battle. This she's finally taken it to a battle level within the last couple of weeks, and you know she just stays up all night battling the uh, swinging these night. Now she's got a machete. She's got a little blowtorch. And, uh, you know, and, I and these her, are things nobody else can see. Yeah, I ask her, well, how how can you know the physical effect of that? affect a demon but she says she can see them kind of shimmering and it does affect some aspect of them because they're injured and uh you know the the kicker to this is uh just today uh, 
I received an email from her and she said, I killed Bozo. Uh, that's the, that's the one she, you know, the, the major one that she calls Bozo. And, uh, well, you know, and I immediately questioned that. Are you sure? You know, maybe he's just disappeared for a while. Maybe he, maybe it's uh, a trickster thing where uh, they want you to back off and think it's all over, and then they're going to come on strong again. And uh, she, she. Uh, but see, it's all her experience. We can't. We, I mean, we can read about it and say, "All right." You well, know, I don't want to be. I don't want to be involved in that experience. No, I don't either. <laughs> You know, because, uh, you know, we, I asked, I, I told her the other day when all this was going on, she couldn't sleep. If, you know, you and Greg want to, we're two and a half hours away from you. want to drive across the state and come here and uh, we got two, two spare bedrooms that are empty. And yeah, you weren't here when I said that to you. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. good. And, uh, and she responded, I don't want to bring this into your life. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> and you probably, I would have had to ask you, and I don't think you would have <laughs> wanted that. I don't know if they travel well, but uh, they did leave on finally the night before Halloween. They, uh, she couldn't handle it anymore, and they went out to a hotel and uh, took the four dogs, and they got, she got some sleep. And then she came back roaring and um, battling him for two days. And she supposedly, supposedly has destroyed this demon. Uh, I mean, the thing that immediately came, you know, struck me, and I'm sure you thought the same thing, is I'm thinking Tulpa, you know. And I'm thinking mm -hmm. also, like, the poltergeist stuff that you guys have investigated. Right. Yeah. Then it starts trending towards, oh, wow, it's so many uh, adolescent girls yeah. know, are manifesting this. And I just interviewed a woman, wonderful woman who's been laboratory tested by a Persinger in his lab in Canada and by other, you know, really respected scientists mm -hmm. for psychokinesis, right? So you put a little right. pinwheel under a glass dome and she can make it spin, you know, oh, publish papers on this, you know, but she's had a number of other, she had, she's an NDE experiencer, but she also has these kind of poltergeist encounters hmm. and she can kind of relate to the emotional kind of frequency. Right. So, and I mean, I think that that's the, the, a lot of people in the Tulpa thing kind of talk about the same thing, you know, it's like, so Maybe I don't know. What are. Well, Tulpas are like a, a manifestation uh, supposedly of, from deep meditation mm -hmm. that you can actually create a being that can manifest physically, and this was this goes back to story from a uh, British ad adventurer who went to uh, a woman who went to um, uh, Tibet and was in Lhasa and uh, became like a uh, a monk's student, and I think she hid her sex and her identity and. Uh, the monk was able to create tulpas and uh, showed her how to do it. And she actually manifested one that turned out to be kind of an egg-shaped being that uh, she had, tr and she had trouble getting rid of it. And the, in, in my book, my novel, that's what happens is the, uh, the first tulpa that the monk created uh, learned how to create tulpas itself and then killed the monk and started creating more tulpas, which were cre creating their own culture of tulpas and feeling that they were more, more superior to humans. And so 
we have a tulpa war basically versus the humans. It's a really good book. <laughs> and there's all sorts of reports of, you, you know, <clears throat> the other way this kind of pops up is that people have channeled or like Ouija boarded or somehow, you know, brought into contact spirits that then create, and these spirits will then create this whole identity that has a reality to it. And they can tie it to, you know, history and stuff like that and historical events. And then it kind of falls apart, you know? So it's like broader, broader, you know, what, mm, what's, right, right. what's going on here rather than just demons and angels mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But I'm so are we ever going to figure all this out? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. And I think, you yeah. know, part of, I, I, I'm more and more convinced that part of what we're doing is kind of sharpening our critical thinking skills. You know what I mean? We're just trying to develop some skills to, because it's really all about navigating our personal experience, right? right. It's like, you know you got your daughter, I got my kids, you know, it's like, uh, I got my wife, you know, how, how am I going <laughs> to interact in this world and be as effective as I can in terms of when I die and have to face that near death experience life review, I, 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 <laughs> I have as good a time as I can, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's a good point though. I mean, I've been asking these questions ever since I was a kid, you know, and I, I mean, even though I feel like my knowledge is broader now, I don't have the answers. Yeah. You know, you, you keep finding more questions. Oh, totally. I agree. Yeah. You know, it's, and when you have, it's the people who say they have, they no longer are searching because they have all the answers. That's... That, you run. <laughs> that's when I start questioning how highly evolved they believe they are. You know, they, they believe they are highly evolved and no longer need to search. And that's when I question that, are they really that evolved if they're thinking like that? That's my approach, at least. I, I tend to agree, you know, I was having had an interview, or it actually wasn't an interview, it was just a kind of a pre-interview chat with this woman. And I said, you know, I, I discovered that the tagline for my show, Skeptico, is inquiry to perpetuate doubt. And she goes, <laughs> oh, I, I don't doubt. I, I, I know. And as we talked, she's a member of what I think is clearly a cult. You know, it's the mm -hmm. uh, Ramtha group in, you know, the Jay-Z night. Oh, right, right. Oh, yeah. right. I know. I, you know, I'm yeah, certain. Right. That, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you ever I always figure that? those people are uneducated, you know, that they no. don't. <laughs> no. No. I don't know. What do you think of the word faith and the meaning of faith? Oh, I think I think faith is the enemy of, uh, of spirituality. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, Alex, I'm really curious about this questionnaire you came up with. Have you tried this on guests yet? You know, I, I you guys are like some of the first one guinea pigs. Oh, really? So tell me, tell well, me, no, like where, where some of our answers diverged. <laughs> yeah. um, I just thought it was it's it's fascinating the way you wrote it. Uh, for instance, okay, consciousness. Here are some of your, your choices. Yes, I'm in here. The only thing we know for sure. Mind is an epiphenomenon of brain activity. Consciousness is an illusion. Consciousness is probably nothing. That was Neil Tyson. A good, con a social construct. 
If God is dead, the only philosophical question is suicide, Camus. Consciousness is fundamental. We are in consciousness. Do you mean the hard problem of consciousness? Do you mean the easy problem of consciousness or other? <laughs> I mean, when I started reading this list, I started laughing and I thought, gee, this is pretty comprehensive. <laughs> Check all that apply. Yeah, right. Check yeah. all that apply. And then your thing on skepticism. Anyway, I thought it was fascinating. Spirituality, extended consciousness, of course, evil, conspiracy theory, um, religion, Christianity, near-death so, experience, so, yoga. So you start out your book talking about Pizzagate. Why did you do that? Oh, I think, I, I mean, I think Pizzagate is just a, a great entry point into so many of the things that we're talking about in terms of, uh, well, what do you guys think of Pizzagate? Uh, not too much. <laughs> Well, not too much in, in, in like you don't think that there's – like when Pizzagate first happened, there were a lot of people that didn't think there was a reality to it. At this point when we've lived through Epstein and we've lived through you know Trump being super connected to Epstein mm -hmm. but also Clinton being super connected and Bill Gates, a lot of people don't – you know just go read Bill Gates and Epstein. And that also that Epstein was really – it was a sexual blackmail operation, which he wasn't even, he was the front man, right? I mean, Maxwell was the one really, Maxwell was running Epstein, not the other way around. That's so, how it seemed to me. Hmm. So living through Pizzagate, and a lot of people threw a lot of trash my way, like, oh my God, how could you even, well, it's kind of, who doesn't believe that Pizzagate isn't, isn't real at this point? I mean, that's all been kind of, outed as true. And the, the other thing is that, you know, people now understand Pizzagate as this guy goes into a pizza parlor and shoots it up. Right. right? Mm -hmm. That's not where the term came from. Yeah. <laughs> the term came from the fact that these emails are released four days before the election. Clearly a conspiracy, right? Clearly a right-wing conspiracy designed to derail Clinton. Right. Mm -hmm. right. That's yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know if you want to say clearly. I say clearly, and then people. No, it was clearly. <laughs> that's what it was, right? Mm -hmm. in, in the United States, you know, the, the, we stay pretty close to the Christian motif, as I like to say. You know, so spirit cooking and uh, uh, you know that kind of stuff and occult stuff being tied to Clinton and her top aide is not gonna fly well with a certain Christian voting block. And they yeah, but it really it. wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, you're, you're moving uh, too closer to Clinton. Clinton was involved with it. Neither was her top aide. Uh, it was John his, Podesta's, John Podesta's brother was invited to this par uh, dinner party where Marianne Abr Abramoff, I think is her name. She's uh, Mariana. Yeah. yeah uh, she's a, artist who puts on these big shows and so the the show was to be really dramatic where you're mixing uh doing this painting during the dinner or after the dinner or whatever and they have human blood excrement sperm and whatever else they all mix together and then she paints stuff on the wall you know and the, and now, now hold in, on though just to be clear i mean do you know about that i mean that's a, a thelmic ritual it's 
Aleister Crowley. I mean, she's mm-hmm. exactly copying the the occult practices, the satanic practices of, of, of Aleister Crowley. And she says, it's an art performance when I do it in an mm-hmm. art studio. Yeah. It's an occult spiritual practice when I do it you know, there. And John Podesta is not clear from this. I don't know how you can, why, why you think uh, John Podesta dances clear of this. The emails from Podesta talk about going to uh, the spirit cooking party. So, huh. did he go? I thought it was, just, I, I, what I, the only thing I read was that his brother, there's an email where his brother, uh, or no, uh, Abramoff asked, is your brother coming too? And speaking of John Potesta, I don't know if there, what the answer was or whether he did go or not. You know, I haven't I haven't looked into it as closely as you, but you know, it seemed like just a big conspiracy against uh, Clinton and the Democrats um, trying to say that there is a pedophile ring in the back of this pizza shop. It seems you know patently ridiculous. <laughs> well, is it so? <laughs> see, you, you guys are. There's so many things we could talk about there. So we don't. We don't know whether or not it's patently ridiculous, right? Well, there, so, there like pet- one thing I heard, surface, there yeah. always have been pedophiles. You know? uh, that doesn't that <laughs> doesn't exactly support your position, Rob. <laughs> there's, always been, there's always been pedophiles. There's always been pedophile rings. You know, I heard someone say the other day that I thought was pretty d- direct. It's an attorney uh, who was looked at the case, and I interviewed him on the show. It's like. At the very least, the emails and Instagrams that uh, that from Alephantis, the guy who owned the pizza restaurant across the the street, and this guy Alephantis is like super high connected at the highest level to the Democratic Party, right? So, see, I think you got to separate out the fact that. Like the whole pedophile, sex, sex trafficking, Epstein thing. Once you look into that, it looks a lot worse for the Republicans than it does for the Democrats. It right. well, it just does. The I mean, Democrats you have the Frank- are the target of it. Uh, well, you know. it's just the, the evidence. You have the Franklin scandal. You have the White House boys. You have all this horrible stuff. But then, mm-hmm. it, it, but if you look at the way that game is played, that game is about. It is way above politics. If you're going to get down there at that Democrat versus Republican thing, forget it. This is about controlling people. Mm-hmm. And there's no better way to control somebody than to, you know, find out that the guy likes to have sexual contact with six-year-old boys and get right. a photo of that. Now I own that person for life. And I don't care if they're Democrat or Republican. Right. I thought yeah, one, of the most incrimin- one of the most incriminating emails <clears throat> from Podesta is um, his relationship with the former uh, head of the Republican Party. Oh, gosh, now his name is going to escape me at the moment. I mean, recently? The now, back, back in the day. Oh, but, okay. Michael Steele? Oh. No, it, but this guy was convicted in court of mm-hmm. uh, sex crimes against boys. From, from I'll think of his name in a minute. He is a former congressman from Illinois. <laughs> he is yeah. a Republican. Mm-hmm. He is a Republican. <clears throat> the link between Podesta and him is that they're both pedophiles. So mm-hmm. you can, I, we don't know if John Podesta is a pedophile. I don't know if he's a pedophile. We but, know he believes in UFOs. Though. Yeah, we do know that. 
So that, the, that, that part point, of his life is more interesting to me. <laughs> I, it's not. A, I wouldn't say more. I, I, I'd like you know. I put him up there as as equal. Why is you know, Dennis Hassard? I knew I think his name. Oh, right. He's Dennis like Hassard, he's yeah. like Podesta's writing emails. Hey, tell Denny about this and and that. I mean, <laughs> I, I, here's here's my point. Is like I don't know any convicted pedophiles, right? And if it turns out next week that you know, I find out somebody I've known for a long time is a convicted pedophile and has done these things to little boys for, they're not my friend anymore. I'm not writing emails saying, oh, how's Denny doing? And uh, (laughs) let's talk to him about the next spirit cooking thing. So to try and, and pull Podesta and whitewash him on this thing, there's no way. The point is, yeah, it was a political conspiracy to undermine Clinton's campaign. Mm-hmm. Hell yes. But the reason it worked is because there was a tr- an element of truth to it. That doesn't mean that the Republicans are are better, have a superior position to drain the swamp <laughs> or any of that nonsense. That's all bullshit, too. But well, what about something like QAnon? You think there's truth in that? I mean, that is so, I don't know. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, I mean, you can take any conspiracy theory and say, okay, maybe there's a kernel of truth here, a kernel of truth there. But QAnon just seems so, so, I can't, I don't even have a word it's for it. It's like an extension of Pizzagate, basically. and it's, Yeah, but uh, it's even it's, stupider. It is, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, uh, how, how is it an extension? <laughs> we just went through. I just did. <laughs> Pizzagate. Anyone who thinks it's Pizzagate pizza isn't gate. real. Yeah, QAnon is the new Pizzagate, you know. No, yeah. Pizzagate is real. Pizzagate is is what really is what really happened. We have the emails. We have the you know the stuff that came out from Alephantis and his Instagram would instantly put him on the the list of you know watched people by the police department. If if he had any kids and he was in a divorce proceeding, he would. <laughs> For he would give up any right to ever have anything other than supervised uh, uh, visitation of his kids. I mean, we just have to be honest about this shit and not look at it from through a political lens of, oh, I don't want to say anything because he's a Democrat and I hate Trump kind of thing. Who gives a shit? Let's just try and get to the truth. So I don't know anything well, about QAnon, but I'll tell you what, Pizzagate is 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 what happened. And then the big them, story. Right? Then well, what, I read, uh, you know, finish. yeah, go ahead. The clincher clincher is that what's left in people's mind is that Pizzagate is about a guy going into a restaurant and shooting it up. No, it was about all this other stuff and the coded language in the emails that related to sex abuse against children, related to pizza, and that's what Pizzagate was about and the restaurant. that and the fact that the guy was influenced by that story and went into the pizza parlor right, to was. shoot up people. Right, and there was, and he found no no pedophile activity going on there, of course, because there wasn't any. Uh, what uh, you know, I read a lengthy article that was in the the New Yorker on PizzaGate, and basically the contention was that it's all basically a misinterpretation of the emails, you know, mm. the, you know the, and they go into details. Uh, each email and why it was a uh, misinterpretation, and you know it seemed logical to me. But it's, but hey, there's just, no there's <laughs> no way, Rob. There's just there's just no <laughs> way. No, if you just go look, I mean, it's like the spirit cooking thing. It's like your interpretation of the spirit cooking thing. I I, I don't know. 
by her yeah. own words, by, yeah. by her own words, Abramovich says, I got this spiritual occult practice from Crowley. Mm-hmm. And when I do it in a, as an art performance, an art performance, when I do it as parties, it's a, it's a ritual. So you can mm-hmm. shut down and say, well, I don't, be- but I don't believe in any, you know, magic rituals. Right. I don't believe in acts. You can say that, but I don't know how that fits into this broader. To, to me, it's like a Ouija board. A Ouija board, if it's a bunch of teenagers, they want a thrill. They want to contact demons and they probably contact something that is a negative energy. And so what happens is we have this whole thing with this board being evil, which is bullshit. (laughs) You know, it's just a tool for uh, contacting other consciousness. And it's not something that necessarily is evil uh, because it's it's all from your perspective. And I think that's the same thing with Abramoff. It's what, what she was... Uh, was she doing it as uh, an occult? What was her intention? Yeah, what was her yeah. intention, you know, with it? Uh, you know, that, Clearly, that... a lot of these people, they're in, you know, like one of the people I interviewed in the book, and this is to drive home the point for people like you. <laughs> no, because, because this is really, but this is the, I mean that kind of tr- real. I have kind of this shock therapy interview with this woman named Annika Lucas. And you're a yogi, I'm a yogi, Annika's a yogi. And she's actually started a tremendous uh, nonprofit in New York where she goes into prisons and helps um, women who are incarcerated through mm. yoga kind of experience. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's very cool. Well, yeah. Annika was sold into a satanic ritual abuse cult when she was six years old by her mother. Her mother put her in, her mother was mentally disturbed, put her in a satanic ritual abuse cult. This cult in Belgium, if you like, don't want to believe those things or if you just want to say none of that stuff is real, go look at the Dutroux case in Belgium. It was all over. It was a huge thing. It was a drain swamp thing. Some of the kids actually died because they arrested Dutroux. And while he was incarcerated, he left the kids in cages and the kids uh, starved to death. They were implicated. They implicated the highest level of European uh, dignitaries and leaders, as does Annika in her testimony. And she's saying that the people who raped her hundreds and hundreds of times from the time she was six years old in castles and stuff like that were those people. Right Hmm. now, you go to. Ted Zinzer in Battle Creek, Michigan, and he's interviewing a lot of people that are traumatized, and a good number of them have been traumatized in a satanic, ritualized way, right? So it's like, what do you want to do with that? Do you just want to say, well, it's a Pizzagate thing. The guy didn't know what he was doing. It's a reality there that we have to face. And and, and until until we, we, we face it, then we can start asking the question about what does satanic mean? What is what is evil in those other dimensions and how it plays in. But I don't think we can dance around uh, and, and assume that, uh, you know, John, T- John Podesta is, he couldn't have done that because that stuff doesn't happen. No, that shit happens. No, I know that stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, wasn't there something in Tallahassee too, Tallahassee, Florida, about the finders cultures? Uh, yeah. What do you know about the finders? Just what you wrote about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're our source, Alex. I never heard of it. <laughs> Well, mm. and, and, you know the the really tell us about it. 
the other, the horrible thing about the finders, directly tied to the CIA. Wow. Yeah, that that was the thing that I was curious. That's so so yeah. here, here's the here's the real the real horror, is that, like we were saying earlier, you know, if you get somebody, get them, on tape, having sex with a six year old boy, a six year old girl, you own that person. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in the intelligence community of the United States of America, land of the free, home of the brave, you would never do anything like that. Except when you realize what you have to gain from that, and then you go process that, and you go, God, that is so tempting. If I had that, it's 10 years worth of work, infiltrating, spying, doing all that. Uh I would have that guy, and that guy is the highest-ranking official of fill-in-the-country, and I would own him. What do you think Putin's got on Trump? Well... (laughs) <laughs> put it put it in any what do you think they have on uh, uh clinton uh you know name you'd name any one of them you know it it's not okay lindsey graham yeah <laughs> what do they have on whoever mitch, mitch mcconnell, mitch McConnell. <laughs> they call him moscow it, mitch for a reason you can name you can name any name and you can just imagine but so mm. the finders thing is but but think about that for a minute our intelligence apparatus is caught. This is back in the late '80s, by the way. Is caught doing this stuff. Yeah, that's doing that's... this stuff, doing sexual blackmail of the most, <laughs> and sacrificing the lives of these kids. Think about when your daughter was young. Think about her. Imagine as horrible as it is, but I'm a parent too. Imagine her being abducted at a. I'd super have to kill court. the person. Seriously. Well, <laughs> and, and, and so now imagine our country, and I'll put it, uh, it, it uh, imagine some Democratic administration, or you can imagine a Republican administration if it's more comfortable, whichever one is more comfortable, <laughs> doing it, say, giving somehow the okay, because the payoff is somehow yeah, calculable and worth it, because what we're going to, you know, like you said earlier, Rob, you know, the end justifies the mean. It's like, hey, I just can't. I can't pass up on that opportunity to get Putin. You know, I can't mm-hmm. pass up on the chance to get the goods on Putin. Hmm. You know, I used to work in a prison. I was a librarian and Spanish teacher. Now, it was for youthful offenders. But let me tell you, there were a lot of guys that were in there. Not 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 just for I, I don't fault the ones that were put in there on drug offenses because it was pot and, you know, just basically stuff that's legal now. But there were a lot of young, they were juveniles, but they had that seed for greater evil. For for greater evil. I could just, you know, it it was there. There was one 14-year-old kid who had killed a four-year-old girl and raped her. And I thought, okay, because he was underage, he was going to get out of prison in three years. That's wrong. Yeah. You know, I mean, this kid was evil. Yeah. Um, Alex, we're coming to the end this, of our time here. Um, I want to mention. This has been of, fascinating. Yeah, it really has been. <laughs> come, so, for, come over for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Anna, with this, Buddhists say that good versus evil is a duality that doesn't really matter because as we move into a higher 
levels of consciousness, we move into non-duality. And ultimately, it's all about oneness. Everything is a part of the whole. What do you say to that? What do you think of that? I would agree with that, but I would ask you a question back because this has been rattling around in my head. (laughs) Is that I heard the other day that the Dalai Lama has let people know that he will not be reincarnated as the next Dalai Lama Hmm. in China under the current administration. That's interesting. Hmm. And the thing that I think is interesting about that is not anything political. It's the larger spiritual question that you're kind of putting your finger Mm -hmm. on there. Why? Why, why would you say something like that? Why, you know, why? <laughs> Dalai Lama, we love you, but we thought it was all about non-doing. We thought it was just about, you know, whatever happens, happens, and we deal with it. Why are you saying that, you know, I'm not, if I come back and those freaking Chinese say that I'm here, some kid that they found, don't believe it, you know? I mean, that sounds That's like the Dalai Lama, the man speaking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, well, it sounds, I was going to say, it sounds so much more human, like yeah, something right. that you or I would say, you know, yeah, but I, not the well, Dalai Lama. Well, so, the Chinese have their Dalai Lama that, you know, that they've picked too, uh, you know, that uh, is more uh, following the uh, the Chinese mold. So. <laughs> and that's what he's saying. He's saying, yeah. uh, don't follow the fake Dalai Lama. That won't yeah. be me. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, my point is, you know, why, why even get into that? If you're truly non-dual, why even play that game of, you know, that won't be me. I yeah, won't that's be the point. Yeah, well, he's living in this world, too, I guess. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, us. <laughs> there, there is duality in the everyday world. Yep. Great talking to you, Alex. Oh, Alex, you got to come back on. <laughs> well, I'm going to have you I'm gonna have you guys back on because you got like 10 shows we want to talk about. And I love that we don't. I love that we don't uh, we don't agree on stuff. I, I just makes it more interesting. Yeah. Well, it, it's just the kind of dialogues that we need to have more of. You know, when people just have the same view. Right. It, it, it lets people. It makes people comfortable. I have people tell me all the time that they don't feel comfortable with you know people disagreeing, and I'm like, get comfortable because it's it's the way that the world really works it, it, when we're not polite what we're really thinking in the back of my mind of our mind is you know hey that's not the truth <laughs> so thank you so much and well, thank yeah you. this has been great yeah and yeah. when's your book going to be available well you're kind of responsible for that yes i know <laughs> but you and david came to an agreement right not not exactly on the release date because he was just like Okay. Do you want me to publish the book? Then just shut up and be patient. And I, was like, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But no, I have to he thank to you because I was down of... a path of thinking I could do that myself and it was it's not daunting. working out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's daunting. They know how to do it. They really do. Yeah. Well, your book will be released soon. Let's so, put it that way. Yes. And uh, listeners can always go to Skeptical to hear more. Yes for that okay we'll be in touch it was awesome it really was thanks so much thank you I gotta think on this (laughs) (laughs) bye you guys Bye. bye thanks for joining the mystical underground Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. 
Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.